from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two diehard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. Because you know what the fuck you are! And this is Appetite for Distortion. Try it again! And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion. My name is Brando. With me, back with me, is Scott O'Kama. Ian, what's going on, buddy? You look very handsome. Thank you, sir. Um, you know what? I actually listened to the the last show that you guys did, and I have to say John Miller is, like, he's a natural at doing radio. I, you know, people assume that... What we do is very easy because make it sound easy and stuff. But especially with what I do at SoftRep, when Jack Murphy's not there and Brendan Webb's not there, I'll get other special ops guys to fill in. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's horrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I, I listened and like John just is naturally able to really carry a conversation with you. And I, I thought it was a great episode. I think what translates and uh, thank you to John is just the ability to storytell. And you have a natural ability for it as well. And it, it's taken me a while because my brain is everywhere, chemically imbalanced. And I always kind of, my brain's going a million miles and I need to slow it down to get the words out. That's yeah. why I'll, I'll pause and I've learned over the years to do it. I'm still being what we call air checked with my program director. As per my request, I want to know what I'm doing right, tone, this, do, do, how do I mention things? It's, it's, like you said, it's a lot more than just cracking mics open and speaking. You know, yeah. I, there are podcasts out there that are just really bad. There are radio shows out that are really bad and some that are brilliant. It just it it, it all depends. But John is a natural storyteller. And, um, you know, whatever we can do to help him build on this Axl Rose story that he's he's making. And he, he told me some stories off the air that will blow your mind. You guys uh, must have went really long then, because I mean, you no, went two plus hours. Yeah, it was plus off air conversation. Yeah, it was it was not the the plan, but we kind of just got lost in it, and I think that's what's great about the ability of a podcast, but especially uh, one that surrounds a guns and Ro- uh, guns and roses and just rock in general. That I think you can relate, and I meant you as as the listener, where you get lost in the music, you get lost in conversation, because there's so many places you can go with it. And having this this show, this podcast, gives us that ability. And John is a perfect example of it, of somebody who is now a listener, who just we had the common bond of, of the music. And he's we're, we're fortunate enough that now we have uh, somebody who can come off the bench if you somehow go to South Dakota again or I get committed or, or some, one of us is out one of these days. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you missed our last episode... It's a good one, you know. Uh, long, two hours seems long, but sometimes you get stuck in traffic, or you want to break it up and pick it up uh, from wherever you know you're taking a crap. You want to listen to a podcast. Why am I going with this? Um, but it's 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 a good one. We t- we spoke about it a lot, and I'm trying to think what has happened. Well, I want to know. I kind of. I mean, I don't, was it going to be the last time we talk about docking? We said that last time. Yeah, but I, I want to get it. But hey, I, I, I want to know just how, how you've been since you came back from uh, South Dakota. So South Dakota, when I called you guys, I was on my way to Badlands National Park, and like it was one of the most beautiful places I ever saw in my life. So even beyond the concert itself, I talked about the concert last episode. There's really nothing more to say, I guess. But 
It is an awesome place, man. I, I, you know, I'm a podcast fanatic. You know, I'm always listening. So I had to clean my whole apartment this morning. I was actually listening to Joe Rogan, and he got into a whole conversation about. He was talking about how he does comedy on the road. And what he said kind of rang true to me where he was like, there's no stupid places anymore in terms of like the people and all that, because everybody has the internet now. Everybody's kind of up on everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, people have this idea of like middle America that these people like are are living in the stone age or something. Not at all, man. It's just, you know, it's, it's not a big city, but the people are like, oh, there's nothing to do. It's kind of bullshit. There's a lot of cool stuff to do. I, I, I had a blast. I guess because the first thing you said to me that some guy with you know one tooth came up to you. Yeah, was like, but you you see that <laughs> you in New it. York too sometimes. That you know? is so very you, true. And actually, get off. True. You get off. Uh, you get out of Penn Station, uh, and it's yeah. like ridiculous amount of homeless people. So I mean, you could say the very same thing you're, about where you're a hundred percent right. And um, you know, I'm jealous that you got to experience that, and it makes me think of. The unique places that we've gotten to see Guns N' Roses, but nothing seems to compare. You know, I, we, we've we seen them in MetLife. Uh, I saw them in Madison Square Garden. Roseland was pretty cool. but Roseland was cool. You didn't see Brooklyn Bowl. That was awesome. That, I, I'm very jealous that you got to see them yeah. uh, in, in a place like that. Um, but I, I got to see them out of the country uh, in Ottawa. I forget the name of the venue. Forgive me, with the Senators play. Uh, but that adds to the atmosphere, the ambiance to... As you mentioned, uh, I guess this will hopefully be the last show we mentioned Dawkins. Uh, <laughs> Don Dawkins didn't sound great, no. but the venue and the atmosphere created everything. And that's what we discussed last episode, where I got to see Axel DC. And if my seats were the same for Guns N' Roses and ACDC, what were my feelings? What would they be? But the fact that I was up front and sure. I was feet away from Axel Rose for the first time ever, really, uh, just created a whole new atmosphere. So I'm seeing... You know, following Guns N' Roses on Facebook and Twitter and seeing them, you know, traveling the world, you know, obviously, knock on wood that they're still doing it. But I'm jealous. I want to keep going to these shows, but they're going to all these other countries and hopefully we'll come back around to uh, America. Yeah, I guess the main thing I would say is if there's venues on your bucket list and there's a cool show that comes up, do it, man. Like, I've always wanted to go to Red Rocks and Deftones are, uh, you know, they they basically tie with Guns N' Roses for my favorite band, in all honesty. I love them. So when I heard that they were playing with Incubus at Red Rocks last year in Colorado, I was like, there's venues on my bucket list. I'm going to go. And I I took the trip out. It was totally worth it. Um, I went to a show the other night. I I saw Dope play Revolution in Amityville. That's a that's a nice little venue that we got here on Long Island. I have my issues with it. I know, I know that they're like friends of WBAB, so just, uh, just my we do some stuff. I don't I don't know. My, if we do my a lot big of stuff. problem, and this always happens. I've gone to so many shows there. Is that the the start time of the headline band is always ridiculously late. Always. Oh, you've said that before. Always, dude. Well, like dope went on. I think at eleven thirty on a Thursday. Like, it's a weeknight. People have to a- work. I have friends who left. You know, like my friend Joe wanted to see Dope, and he was just like, I got to get up early for work, man. And he, and he left before they went on stage. Well, is that a venue thing? Because obviously yes. we could parallel that to when when Axel yeah. went on whatever he wanted. It is, it is this venue. Always. Why always, do you think that always. Because they want people to buy drinks at the bar. That's definitely mm. what it is, I think. Fair and, enough. and it's, you know, the crazy donkey that never had this, the downtown. You know, Both I've been, closed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess you have to buy the drinks, otherwise you close yeah. down. <laughs> it's rock and roll, and like, I totally get it that bands will show up, you know, a half hour late. But that that is not the case with this place. Like, 
I saw L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat, and L.A. Guns hit the stage. I think at like one a.m. You know, it's it's insane. Andrew WK went on late when I when I saw them. So I will say that, but. I meant as far as just the atmosphere and the layout. Oh, yeah. Everything else. I, I had mean, I had a great time, so I can't complain. And Dope is a great band. Um, just very rock and roll vibe to them, I feel sure. like. like. And I, I dig them, and they're one of those 90s bands that, you know, are, they're reunited with the older lineup. So had a great time. I You know, actually, I wanted to ask you how George Thorogood was, because I had a ticket to that, mm-hmm. and I ended up selling it because of Dokken. You know, it, it's so cool that... Uh, it's actually, and I've mentioned on the show that I have a, a physical disability. Most people, I guess, think I have a I'm a pimp because I have a cane, uh, but it's a neurological condition, and it's legit for. And I started to now take advantage of it because I'm I'm I say only loosely only 33, and obviously growing up, you're kind of self conscious about it. You don't want to be different, uh, so I'd always just get the normal seats. But I've learned that I am dumb for doing that, especially after Guns N' Roses, where I got. You know, kind VIP of VIP treatment. Yeah, uh, for the way a- you would describe it on the uh, on the podcast yeah. last episode. Well, that's the Axel DC uh, show. Oh yeah, that, those were handicap yeah. seats, but yeah. they were very handicap accessible because it's like you're in first class getting up that close. That thankfully I got through my radio station, uh, but for uh, Guns N' Roses, they were specific uh, handicap seats, and I've done that those for for Yankee games and Islander games, and. It's just, and I did the same thing now for George Thurgood, and it's just easier. And, and it was at uh, the Paramount here on Long Island, which is a newish. Venue. I like that venue a lot. Yeah, I think it was listed in like the top venues. It's a great in, venue in, in, the, in yeah, the country. I'd recommend people check it out. So I was up close, and I've wanted to see George Thurgood for a while. I actually got to see him in the kitchen at iHeart Radio. There's like a little theater in the kitchen, but it was like you know, it wasn't a lot of other people there. It wasn't a full band. Uh, and he was great. The dude is 66 years old. And what's so funny about it, I guess like Axel, he just acts like he's a certain age, like he's shimmying. I, I kept thinking <laughs> of uh, Jack Parkman from uh, Major League when he's doing that little shimmy. Yeah. <laughs> and he kept doing those, the, the pelvic thrusts. Like Remember that, that cartoon Duckman? Do you thrust, oh, your pel- yeah, yeah. thrust your pelvis. <laughs> thrust your pelvis. <laughs> and everyone's still going crazy, you know? Um he still he, sounds good. He sounds good. I'm uh, sure he did I Drink Alone. That's my favorite. Yeah, no, he he did my my favorite is uh, one bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I he didn't do, but it's not one of his signature songs, is um, a Johnny Be Good. Okay. And, and I heard okay. a live version of that, and it's one of the best live versions of a song, period. And actually, uh, we should get this out before. I believe Chuck Berry's 90th birthday is coming up next Tuesday or something. Wow. We're crazy, but uh, he only did, he didn't do that. So I don't know if I call that a disappointment. I just wanted to hear that live, live. Sure. Uh, but no, he he was great, and it's just it's been a great time for concerts now. You know, with Guns N' Roses coming back and bands like George Thurgood still going around, and ZZ Top, who I got to see. Now, of course, with um, a desert trip out in California with the Stones and Bob Dylan, who just got a Nobel Peace Prize. I don't even understand that, but yeah. Like, if, if, whatever, man. So this is a good time for, for rock and roll. Um, and I wish it was more in the forefront, uh, at least in this country, because we're getting some really good feedback from uh, from people from Spain and in uh, South America, for people yeah. who listen to the AFD show. That's the great thing about podcasts. Yeah, so we appreciate, we listen to, and, and we read every comment, so we appreciate everybody. Which uh, reminds me, man, my, my only regret about the South Dakota trip, I forgot to bring... 
the appetite for distortion stickers. Ah. Like I would have loved to have handed those out. And Bad I went to boy. a million rest stops. I could have just threw those of up on there. you went to a million rest stops, you dirty girl. <laughs> <laughs> like driving all the way ah. to Badlands National Park. Dirty. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I should have brought those, man. I, I have so many. So, yeah. I, so do I. <laughs> yeah, and they're great to have, man, for occasions like that. But it won't be the, you know, I'm going to Vegas in January with the guys from SoftRep for shot show okay uh so i mean i'm i'm gonna have other things where i can handle whenever we're out and about because we got requests for them when we went to metlife you know we're not we don't have the we don't have the money to mail out stickers yeah but if we ever well, get it t- doesn't make sense but like no. we'll do t-shirts at some point at I some think. point i've gotten you know requests my and- friend sam you know could press some really cool t-shirts i think we'll i think we'll do it i i, I yeah either the 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 knock of the Guns N' Roses logo, the yeah. knock of the Ninja Turtles logo. Yeah. Either one is uh, is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, whenever we're out and about, we're very uh, accessible, um, very ac- active on social media, so we appreciate all that. And we have an awesome guest coming up yes. um, in a in few minutes. Yeah, Art Tavana. Yeah, Art, so, and this is also because you can contact us, who you, you guys have been doing through Facebook and Twitter, but he contacted us through SoundCloud. Yeah, and I missed it. So it, it took a few weeks, but... Uh, I saw his message, journalist for LA Weekly, uh, and we'll get into it all with him later, but it's artavana.com. Just seems like a really awesome guy, and the fact that he listens to the show was really flattering, and I know he's working on a piece on Izzy Stradlin, um, so we'll have a lot to talk about with him. You know, you know what's crazy for me, by the way, that, that I haven't, uh, I, I wanted to get to in this show, and I don't know your feelings on it, like... I'm almost coming off of like a, a Guns N' Roses hangover because like this is the first time where there's there's not like something significant to look forward to. Yeah. And it, it's been like that since I got into the band almost because like I, I got in at the time where it was when is Chinese Democracy going to come out? All right. That came out. When are they going to tour for this album? All right. That happened. Uh, you know, they were doing these pop up shows here and there, uh, you know, replacing members. Who's going to replace uh, Buckethead and then Bumblefoot and, you know, canceling shows. Yeah, all, tours. all this crazy stuff. And then, you know, who's going to replace DJ Ashba? And then to the point of when are they going to get back together? Th- then April, they had the surprise show, got back together. This Axel DC thing, is this really happening? That And like right now, there's, <laughs> there's kind of nothing. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's it, like it's kind of weird. Like I want, I want there to be a solid album to look forward to. I want to have something, and I, there's no uh, solid plans for an album to come out or if they're going to make any music. We just know they're going to do like a round two of this tour, you know, overseas. And uh, I don't know if it's just you know, I I kind of miss the unpredictability of this band. I know everything's going too well. Yeah, which is what's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's very funny. Um, it's it's an interesting lull, and I do feel like that, especially after the, the show, and I still followed them, but I, it wasn't as much leading up to the show. It was like a whole buildup, and like you said, following me on uh, my GNR forum, getting all the leaks, you know, uh, keeping track of all the band member, the uh, the whole in and out of, of what member, so everything you just said, I, I couldn't agree any anymore. So I guess it's just let the rest of the world enjoy them for now. The only potential rumors are out there. Uh, the thing that happened with Izzy, and I guess we'll talk to Art about that and what he's writing about specifically with with Izzy. Um, there have been rumors about the continuation of ACDC with Axel. Cliff Williams has retired. Uh, the rumor is that Angus 
uh, wants to continue with Axel, but Brian is getting better. Would he take him back? So that's an interesting dynamic yeah. that's just kind of laying out there. And what I didn't get to discuss with you, I believe, last time, I only just discussed it with with John, was uh, when the, the interview that Axel and Duff did on Brazilian TV that I thought the, I mean, there might, you never know what goes on behind the scenes in the prep, uh, the pre-interview. That I was just disappointed. I don't want to say I he did a bad job the interview interviewer because I I don't know him. Uh, and how bad of a job could he have done since he got the interview? Uh, I was just disappointed in the way he posed the question about the new album, and he posed it in a way of just such how, how music today is released, and he made it kind of like a millennial question. Uh, but Axel didn't dismiss the whole premise of a new album. He kind of just went over it and, and, and answered his question about how it's going to be released. So that's just that's out there. Is there going to be a new musical release? And that's something that we've read about uh, or the rumors of that they've been recording, whether it's uh, Slash and Duff. Uh, but we've been hearing about this, and you, you mentioned this off air before we started the show, um, about the new record. Even before Chinese Democracy came out, and uh, Sebastian Bach, when he was kind of like the Paul Heyman mm. for Axl Rose for a while, <laughs> my client Axl Rose, the wrestling fans. Yeah, uh, I, I remember ECW. Yeah, well, he's still relevant. Okay, yeah. that I don't know. All right, thank you for ruining it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he uh, Sebastian mentioned that Axl has like three. You remember this? That he had like three albums yeah. worth of material. Yeah, they were saying there was going to be like CD one, CD two, CD three, as in Chinese democracy, right? You know. So that's still out there. So there's still a lot of questions. Nothing is pressing, but they're all just kind of marinating rumors that but they, we I, can't do anything with. I have a fear now, though, because we know for a fact there's a lot of material that's been recorded. DJ Ashba talked about that he wrote some songs. Right. Uh, they, we, there were definitely some heavy rumors that while they did that Vegas residency, they recorded some stuff. So I'm sure there is a ton of material out there. There's probably a ton of stuff during the Chinese Democracy One, you know, era that we've never heard. I can't even imagine. So here's the thing: now that the real band, whatever you want to call them, is back together, I, there's no way Slash is going to want, you know, the way that he had Bumblefoot re-record parts, you know, for other members and all this stuff. It's not going to happen. There's there's no way that if they put out another Guns N' Roses album that it's not going to be stuff that Slash helped some writing, you know, in and Duff did some writing for. And, you know, it, it, I'm, I would think it'd be organic between this current lineup. Uh, it, it just wouldn't make sense to have, you know, Slash re-recording some DJ Ashba part. It, it sounds silly. I don't think he would be for it. So then what happens is, I, I mean, I, I kind of fear that all this material they have is going to never be heard, you know, until you know, Axel one day dies. Like, I'm sure right. I'm sure Prince has a ton of material out there. That Michael we Jackson? Yeah. You know, because Prince in particular, man, had a huge catalog. It is gigantic. Just he from when always, he was alive. Yeah, he was always recording. And then, you know, uh, not to get on a whole tangent here, but if you read it's about Prince. It's what we do. It's fine. Yeah, if you read about Prince, he recorded this album called The Black Album. And basically, like, weeks before it was supposed to be released, he called, I believe it was Warner Brothers, and said, like, don't release this. I don't want it out there. Hmm. And he, there's a long story to it I can get into. But they ended up not releasing the album, and then years later they released the album. You know, so there's just so much Prince material that I'm sure is going to come out now that you know he's no longer with us. So I fear, like, are we going to have to wait 
until God forbid then to hear this Axel stuff because I like I, I want to hear anything that these guys recorded. You know, Deftones, who I mentioned earlier, they recorded an album called Lovers. Uh, you know, when Chi Cheng, he was either still with them or you know in the coma. I don't know if you know about that whole thing, sure. but. Um, you know, I don't think that's ever going to get released. So, like, it's just I want to hear this Chinese Democracy two and three material. Like, even if you put it online for free or something, or do a GoFundMe, I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to hear it. I'm with you on that because I'm a big Buckethead fan, and yeah. I want to hear if there is more. Just from that perspective, are there, is there more Buckethead takes or demos or or songs? Um, but I, it's going to be. Interesting, because you, you don't know if it's going to be a jumping off point, maybe this material, because has it been proven that they did re-record Appetite with a version of, you know, the, the, the Axel and Roses? I've never heard that. Oh, I've heard that rumor uh, just at the, the word rumor. I don't know if that ever has been proven or, or said or it obviously hasn't come out. Yeah. Uh, you know, just to think that they did that is kind of sacrilege. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, because that record is just, leave it alone. I wouldn't think they would. I don't know. I don't know. That. Axel was real angry for a while. And you also, you, do you know about, like, the whole Ozzy back catalog? That so, whole thing? Yeah. Where they re-recorded, like, the original Bob Daisley bass and drums. And he's suing him for that now. Yeah. I, th- I think that if you buy Ozzy's stuff now, it's the originals. But for a pretty long time period, it was actually Rob Trujillo, who's now in Metallica, mm-hmm. when he was in Ozzy's band, like you were hearing him play bass. And, you know, it's kind of, and there was no, I, I have one of the albums and there's nothing on it that says like, this is re-recorded. They just put it back out there, you know, it's like a remastered edition. And that's what he's suing Ozzy for right now as we speak. Okay. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. Like, I, it I'm, is. I'm not okay with that. That's not, that's, uh, that's I not agree. cool. Uh, no, I, I agree. Like, like well, what if we get into a fight and then we record these shows and <laughs> someone's saying your parts over mine? Or like, I, I mean, it's, <laughs> imagine it's, that. I'm making transcript <laughs> of all the Scotto stuff and someone else reads it. It's, yeah. It'd be, it sounds silly, but yeah, that's the same premise. It's insane, man. Like, you know, I know that what people probably don't even notice unless you're a diehard fan that the bass sounds a little different, but at the same time, like, that's, that's, very important of those albums you know the, they were in the studio recording these these great albums you know like um i'm a good friend of frank from amur i love that band and it, it is now just frank and all new guys you know there's none of the original members in the band anymore and uh, you know i'm i'm cool with that but i would never want him to re-record those that back catalog with these new guys it sounds crazy to me like it's hard perform the you know the new material there's and there's other people like that. I'm a fan of Orgy. Orgy is now just Jay Gordon with all new members, mm-hmm. you know? I, and they're putting out new music, and it's different, and it's cool. But, yeah, don't don't fuck with the back at all. Would you liken it to, you know, breaking up with an ex and kind of just cutting all their, their faces out and putting over, like, you know, somebody else's faces over it? it maybe the music is that emotional where I don't want to hear this dude's bass line. Yeah. You know, I like what he did, but his aura is attached to it or something is and I'm just posting this out there cuz it kind of makes sense now that I'm kind of saying this out loud you know or it could be just the fucked up and be like you know what I don't want to pay this guy he's not in the band anymore he did good work but you know what fuck him he's out of the band yeah, or it could be like or it could be like with Axel where for a while it was where slash he's up your ass that's where he is and he was very angry and he didn't, he's like you know I I want to put it out there to show I am Guns N' Roses and of course I'm just saying that and just a a poor 
make-believe example of, of, of the polar, like where you can come from this, why you would re-record something. It's funny that you say that because I just thought of two examples when you said the cutting out the ex-wife's face. I've seen um, online a tattoo cover-up of a guy who had his wife's face, and he literally got a gorilla tattooed <laughs> over the wife's face, and it's like a great cover-up. You know? <laughs> and the other thing was I laughed so hard when I, I went to my grandma's house, uh, my grandma's, you know, where she lives now, and she had a picture of... Man, I, I hope they don't hear this. Because, Your grandma yeah. listens to the podcast? No, but I hope, you know, you never know who's going to listen. But anyway, because, <laughs> okay. like, you know, this person would feel disrespected. It was a picture of my uncle with his ex-wife and my grandma just, like, covered up the ex-wife with another picture. <laughs> and she was like, I don't want to look at that face. <laughs> just, like, I thought it was hilarious. So um, I mean, but you get it, right? It's, a, it's an interesting analogy, and I'm saying it kind of half-joking, but... That could be part of it. Yeah. You never know. But I want to hear this material. Uh, the fans of this podcast, we fan, we're all fans of the band. We want to hear this material. Uh, so I'm hoping that it's all of the above, that we get to hear the unreleased, even if it's finished or uh, not finished. I don't care. Yeah. Or maybe if it's a jumping off point, hey, this is what DJ Ashpro was working on. Can, what can you do with it? Kind of what they're doing right now with the Chinese Democracy Material Live, where Slash is putting his own spin on it. Yeah, Live is a little, little different, though, because if they put out a new Guns N' Roses album and there's, so, like, you know, like half the songs are written by DJ Ashbur or Bumblefoot, like people would be like, what? Why? That's weird. Do you think people would care, though? Because uh, Mike Ritland uh, put that the best, saying, I don't care about anyone else but Slash and, uh, and Axel. And that's kind of, I think, a, the the mainstream Guns N' Roses fan, not us. I don't. I don't even think they'd be happy with it, though. I don't think Slash creatively would be okay with like. I'm sure Slash looks at himself as a better, you know, more iconic guitar player, rightfully so, than right. DJ Ashba, and he wants his touch on that album. I'm sure. I'm sure he doesn't want to put out some half-assed material. Is like, there a you can put you can phrase it like that half ass or is there a degree of <laughs> a degree of touch saying you know he he did 30% of this guitar solo i mean this shows you now i'm not a musician so i don't know yeah. how this works 30% of this guitar part but i'm doing the other 70 is that fine but it was giving Ashbrook a writing credit i don't see it happening i i think his i think the egos of all these guys are too big and almost rightfully so they're icons duff mckagan uh, slash Axel, I would you know put Izzy and Steven Adler. All, they're they're music icons. Sure, DJ Ashbo, like no disrespect, I I don't think most people see him as an icon. You know, no, most people don't even know the not. name. No, he, he I mean he's not. I'm sure he's the first one. He'd be the first one to say I'm not an icon. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. So these are all questions that are marinating right now, and that we have to just to speculate on. Uh, if you have any insight. To, to any of this or opinions on it, let us know and we'll, we'll cover it on the next podcast. You know, follow us on Facebook and, and Twitter because um, these are things that I want answered. I want to know when Sebastian Bach said there's three albums of material, my mouth was watering. I mean, everyone's <laughs> was because we had nothing at the time. Yeah. But now knowing that that exists and uh, you and I are fans of Chinese democracy and we can only imagine what the rest of it sounds like. And there's songs that people have speculated on, on like my GNR forum. There's apparently a song called The General. There's a song called Silkworms. Yes. I'm sure you've heard about it. And like, we want to hear this stuff. Yes. I would, I would hate Great for examples. It to be, yeah, I would hate for it to be buried, man. I, I want to hear this stuff. Like anything that, that they've been on, you know, uh, I just, I get, you know, when I heard 
for example, that Axel had songs on Sebastian Bach's album two albums back. I was, you know, right away. Angel like, Down. Yeah, I was like, I got to get this. Right. You know, and I haven't bought the the newest album because there wasn't anything that made me be like, I have to get this. Right. But when I heard Axel was on it, like I am that big a fan. And, and by the way, the cover of um, Back in the Saddle. That's got to be. I, I like it better than the original, and the original is amazing. That's one of the best covers I've ever. I heard. just listened to it the other day, and I thought of you listening because you said that to me off the air, and yeah, it's you hear that growl from Axel before even Sebastian kicks in, and it's it's awesome. It really is awesome. So, who knows what else they have worked on? And I feel like they, both of the their voices, man, they complement each other, and real the well. way they hit the like the way they hit the um. <laughs> like the, uh, the I'm back. It's, it's it go? way <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> it's uh, it's way higher and you know than the way Steven Tyler does it. Sure, it's a way like raspier and grittier and like I, Rocks is my favorite Aerosmith album, and I think that you know that it's one of the few covers that I'm like this is better than the original. So. Um, we have Art Devana coming on. Man, time just flies by with us. We're like, we'll do a little half-hour intro, and you know, we didn't even get to things like Eric Andre and all that that you wanted to talk about, so we'll probably get to that after Art. Yo. We're trying to get you know different people on, so it's just it's rare that, that yeah. someone is like, oh, I want to come on, and then I saw like your website and everything. You've done a ton of shit, so it's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Well, yeah, because I just wanted to... I just thought, why isn't there a GNR podcast? This is like a few months ago, and... I saw your guys' thing pop up. This was probably in June. And then I was like, well, whatever. I mean, there's probably going to be a million of these. Who cares? And then <laughs> I listened to it. I thought you guys were really good. And you guys kind of had some of the same, I don't know, a little bit of the same perspective I had on, on a few things. And then I kind of like didn't pay attention for a while. And I came back to it and I thought it was great. And the last episode was really fucking cool, too. So I just, I just got into it. I was like, I got to get on the show because you guys are cool. And I don't, it's funny, I live in LA. And, I don't really know any GNR fans personally. Like, really? I don't have any friends who are GNR fans. Well, I appreciate what you, what you just said. So, but I should just to get the listeners up to speed, at least give an intro of who you are. So, joining us on the show is Art Tavana, who we said earlier reached out to us, which was like a huge surprise and, and an honor. Uh, the website is arttavana.com. He's a journalist for LA Weekly. Um, and we've never talked before. So, the, the main thing I know is that you're working on an article about Izzy. Uh, and right, we'll get into right. that, but that's actually really surprising what you just said, though. That in in L.A. you, you like you don't know many diehard Guns N' Roses fans. Like, what you are would, they you listening to out there? Like, what's what's the scene? EDM, I bet. So, like, I've been writing about the L.A. music scene for I don't know four or five years consistently, and like the scene here is so the whole idea of the Sunset Strip and that whole like hair metal era that I love that I grew up on, and like. I've been obsessed with since I was a kid because, like, my first band was Kiss, which I mean, I guess is, I don't consider them hair metal, but whatever. I mean, it's like that whole world right now in LA is so just there's a, just negative. There's a lot of negativity from the quote unquote like hipster community, which is like the city, I, the part of LA that I live in. So all the friends that I have, all the people in the music scene that I grew up with, like the friends that I went to high school with, are all these like people who listen to bands on like the national. And fucking like these like really silly synth pop bands that are on like KCR National Public Radio bands that like. And when I talk about GNR, I just get made fun of. It's like really strange. I mean, I know all the old school people, right? I know like Robert John, Vince Hamilton, Mark Tanner, and all these people that I talk to all the time. But and there are just people who were there when GNR was happening. But the people that are my age, I'm 33. The people who are my age or even a little younger than me are just like 
they kind of just laugh at me, which is really really pisses me off. That's I, obnoxious. One of the reasons I, but yeah, I mean, I talk to all those people, right? I see them all the time. I I see them at the Rainbow. I, I call them up. I, I'm in that like old school GNR universe. I just met Jimmy Ashurst like three months ago, and he was um, the bass player for the Juju Hounds. Okay. And you know, he was old school, a Sunset Strip guy too. He was there when like you know. You know, London and all those bands were making their name, and you know, I, I meet those guys. I love those guys, and they and they they're really cool. But yeah, the people my age or younger are just like, just like really jaded hipsters, who <laughs> are offensive or misogynistic or whatever. And like to me, it's like honestly, the main reason I reject you guys, besides the fact that I think you guys are, I think it's a really good show. Genuinely, you. like you guys talk about good stuff, and you you have some really good guests. Is, I just want to talk to some fucking GNR fans. Like, <laughs> talk about talk about shit that I can't talk about with people here. It's really funny, but it's true. Well, we're, we're going to be your outlet. We're going to be your, your Guns N' Roses therapists. Uh, Hell yeah. But I'm 33 yeah. as well, and... I'm trying to think of the d- dynamic here in uh, Long Island in New York. I mean, it's all over the place. We have hipsters uh, as well, right. but... You know, when we lost uh, the New York City rock station, our K-Rock, and we, at the right. time, we really didn't have any rock stations that were new. We had classic rock and things like that. So I listened to a lot of your K-Rock. And it's, mm. and it is indie rock. You know, I, I'm a fan of Lord, but I don't consider her in any way, shape, or form a, a rock artist. You know, know. So when I'm listening to K-Rock, there is no rock out there except for the occasional Chili Peppers or Green Day and things just to sprinkle it in between the the Decemberists or Mike Death Camp or shit or Cutie or whatever they're called. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, sorry, I get, I'm, I'm angry about that type of music. You know, it's I I can I have you can put it on a T-shirt. I call it punk rock for pussies, and I say that not <laughs> not in the Donald Trump kind of way, but just because they're right. all trying to like, oh, we're punk, we're different. No, you're you're dressing like that on purpose. You have a sweater uniform with a mop top. I mean, obviously, it's the thing now. That's why I don't know why rock and roll went that way from the dirty rock that we love, right. from the the Guns N' Roses, the dangerous rock that was and once lived on the Sunset Strip. So the fact that you're made sure. fun of, I mean, that's this is like a, a snob kind of like you know, oh, yeah. you're not you're not vegan. You know, oh my god, you eat red meat. Like, oh my god, I did listen to Guns N' Roses. I, I, I don't. <laughs> that's obnoxious. Oh, yeah. uh, so. <laughs> It's not even that. It's, it's almost like, and I don't just listen to Guns N' Roses, right? Like I write about Guns N' Roses. I go to all the DNR things. Like I go, to, I go to Canner's Deli like every week if I can. Um, I talk to Mark Canner whenever I can when I'm there because like he just knows so much about GNR. And I'm just invested in the in the GNR universe. I mean, I'm on my GNR all the time. Yeah, it's just like it's my thing, and like, I think that there's just like this negative connotation to it that still hasn't gone away even after they made this cool comeback and proved. Like, I thought, I think a lot of people, and I, I was one of those people, I was concerned when GNR was coming back, that I thought, well, is there still a giant, like, real, insanely, like, addicted audience for this band at this point? You know, I didn't know if there was, really, in this, obviously, when, you know, once the Troubadour shit happened, and I, and I, I was there, I reviewed that show, but once that happened, oh my God. it was like, okay, yeah, this band is, like, clearly, like, fucking back. Yeah, I was the only person, that, actually, it's funny, I was the only person who reviewed that show, but, and I'm gonna call out one person, because I don't, I don't really like the guy, and I'll call him out anyway, Mick Wall, um, who, the UK journalist who kinda like, was the first dude who wrote about GNR, and like, I broke the story about Adler's back, mm-hmm. and I just know, I know somebody who's like in the camp, 
And he was backstage that night, and he told me about Adler's back being fucked up and how he, that's the reason Adler wasn't at the Troubadour show. And, yeah, and, like, Mick Wall the next day goes on his blog and talks about it, like, as if, like, he just, like, found that information organically through his own contacts when he took it from my story because the only person that knew about Adler's back, the only three people that knew about Adler's back were at the Troubadour show, and none of them were going to talk to Mick Wall because they fucking all hate Mick Wall. <laughs> so you can have your, uh, your you, you can have your get in the ring moment, Mick Wall, Kerrang, <laughs> Baguzi. So, so yeah, I'm, 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 funny, I'm with you, but... man. It's a very uh, seedy industry, and it's disappointing. Somebody like him who's been uh, who's a veteran and should have respect right. for the up and coming. Because you're not like a, a a blogger who likes to call themselves a journalist. You're right for LA Weekly. Which is a, right. a respectable, uh, you know, uh, tabloid for lack of a better word, or, uh, a paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just give you know, give the people credit that you know broke the news. And no one broke. No one knew about Adler's back. No one knew about the Izzy money thing. I was the first person I wrote about that as well. But oh, wow. I mean, I, I, I tried to avoid writing about a lot of that Izzy stuff because, again, like I'm, I know people in both camps, and I try to not get in too much trouble. Mm. So there's a lot of things that I can't talk about, but then. When I do talk about it, I don't get credit for it, which is really annoying. But anyway. I'm no, I, I get it, man. Uh, I, I, I got to hear about the Troubadour show, though. So how did you how did you get into the Troubadour show? Was it, you know, because of your gig at LA Weekly? When did you hear about yeah, all it? all that stuff. So I I got this part-time job at the Burbank Mall at, at an arcade. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you know you're a journalist. I totally get it. Yeah. You, <laughs> right on, I'm man. not getting... Yeah, I don't make any fucking money doing what I do <laughs> writing, but Hey, we're I mean, on radio. To, yeah, you know how it is. So, yeah, I get a phone call from someone who's in the GNR camp, who I can't really say who that person is, but I get that phone call from this person who, who, who when he or she calls me, I know it's, it's legit. I, I don't even question the source. So it's not like, and God bless, you know, some of the people like Mark Tanner, and I love those people, but when they tell me something, I'm like, I, you know, it's never 100%. But this person is 100%. And they called me... The day before um, the show, this is like, I guess, I don't know, whatever, April 1st is the show. So the day before they call me and they're like, hey, you should be on the corner of the historic part of the Sunset Strip um, tomorrow at like all day. Stay there. Like, you might have to stay there overnight. That sounds so silly. <laughs> yeah, just, just be there. Just You might have to stay there overnight. I can't tell you why. Just be there. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> the Guns N' Roses show? Is it like, what's going on? Because there was rumors for about a week that GNR was going to play the whiskey. Um, and there was like people talking about it. But I, I, you hear that shit all the time. I didn't believe any of it. So I was just like, I'm uh, when this person called me, I'm like, okay. I literally, I called in sick to work. I got my car. I went to the Sunset Strip, booked a hotel, and spent like 24 hours there waiting for shit to happen. I had no idea where to go. I had no idea what to do. And then I saw... A buddy of mine who used to, you know, work in some capacity with Volvo Revolver, and I saw him standing at the Tower Records. Just you just randomly there in the middle of the night, a warm morning, standing <laughs> next to the fucking Tower Records, and I'm like, what is this dude doing here? It has to be something has to be happening, and that's how I found out that's where to wait. And we're like one of the first, I guess, fifteen or twenty people in line, and I had to wait in line. There was no hook. There was no free ticket for me or anything. There was no, no you know. If that guy has to wait in line, everybody has to wait in line. So I waited in line for like 13 hours till I got my wristband. Wow. That's how I got in. That sounds like a game of like Saw. We're going to play a game. You're going to wait outside. It's like the Tower Records. That's so, that's so it was, crazy. It was insane. 
That, yeah. that, that's so cool, though. I mean, obviously, if it was a random call and it was from a source, I mean, you knew it was GNR related. I mean, I don't know what this he or she person does other than if they do right. anything else other than Guns N' Roses. So you knew it was right. important. But that's that's insane. So once you, you got your wristband, t- walk us through the, the rest of it because we haven't heard – I guess our first, other than your, and I'm, I'm assuming right. your article is still up on LAWeekly.com, correct? Yeah, the article's up. Um, I wrote about it. It was, it, was a, it was a cool review. I have to say, though, that I wrote that review in, like, an hour or two after I left the Troubadour show and, like, going on, like, two days of no sleep. And I'm, <laughs> it was literally, like, shocked it even, like, got published. But, um, yeah, I mean, what happened? So we waited in line for about 12 hours, blistering sun at the Tower Records, there's a DJ outside playing like really awful, just like ACDC over and over again. And I love ACDC, but it got to a point where I was like, if I heard Black and ba- Black and Black one more time, I was just gonna <laughs> kill somebody. And the funny part was, the most hilarious part about being in that line was you were surrounded by like the most obsessed, absolutely the most obsessed GNR fans, like people who had driven down from like different parts of the country in like 24 hours, because they heard like rumors. Just They just came, to West Hollywood and booked hotels because they heard there might be a GNR show wow. in West Hollywood at some point. And it was, it was, once I got inside, it was like a GNR Hall of Fame. It was just like, you know, the GNR pinball machine was there. There was, you know, Axel's like Axel Converse sneakers and like this glass case and fucking all the GNR memorabilia like we geek out about was just in this room and strippers were dancing on poles <laughs> and it was like being in like the cat house in like 1985. Awesome. And then, I mean, I literally, I, at that point I started like tearing up because like Rocket Queen came on and I was like, I'm, I'm about to see like Guns N' Roses reunite and it was, I had to pay $10. Everybody had to pay $10 to get a ticket. <laughs> so $10? I paid, my, I paid my $10, I got a ticket and I just, I stayed there until they basically told us to leave. So it was great. I mean, could you even describe? I and mean, we don't have to go through the set because it's you know, obviously many, many months ago. But can you even sure, describe sure. when the lights went out and you saw Axel? Because that was the show when he broke his foot. So for a while, right. and that's going to be. You might have seen the most intimate Guns N' Roses show we're going to see in our lifetime, and especially the reunion right. show. So can you? I mean, the tears in your eyes describes a lot of it. I mean, I. Ian and I just when we, we you know we're texting each other like this is happening and we're buying tickets <laughs> at, the, at the same time but you know so we, we weren't even there we can kind of get a sense of it but just to actually be there I mean did everybody rush the stage uh, was there no. was there was there a certain was the age demographic because that's cool because Ian has discussed in a prior right. podcast that. He was debating going out uh, to L.A. for this show. Like you just said, a lot of people coming uh, from different states. Uh, but he's right, like, what right. if it wasn't true? I would have to go to the Whiskey to see some shitty tribute band. Which right? is what happened. There was a, there was a tribute band. Right. So he didn't take yeah. that risk. But people did take that risk. So I can't even. Uh, and you, wait, you weren't allowed any cameras. Obviously, there was video taken. But were they pretty hardcore yeah. about that? Oh, so, yeah, I mean, the minute you walked into the... I mean, the, the, the coolest part for me, the whole night, actually, it's one, one of the coolest parts, was I'm waiting outside and Del James, and for anybody who doesn't know who Del James is, he's, I mean, I'm sure everybody does, but he's, he's a tour manager for Guns N' Roses, and he walks outside, like, looking like the coolest motherfucker, like, he's, like, wearing this black jacket, he's got his sunglasses on, he walks outside with, like, two, 
like really attractive women that he probably was like taking back inside. Um, and he just like looks at he looks at the line, and like, he just gives this look like you guys are about to fucking see Guns N' Roses. <laughs> walks back and, and he walks back inside, and yeah, I mean, and the minute he left, I remember this big security guard came and said, "Everybody, when you walk inside, they're gonna hand you these like magnetic leather like cases. Okay, and you all have to put your cell phones inside. There's no exceptions, right?" So. I'm like, fuck, this is horrible. Like, I can't even, I didn't have any notes. I didn't have a notebook, because I didn't even think about that like an idiot. Uh, I had to get a pen from the bar, and I had to get a little piece of paper, and like, I took all my notes on a napkin and a piece of paper from the bar, and it was just a complete disaster for me. But yeah, so the, the phones got taken. They were really strict about that. The people who had phones, just so everybody knows, were only people at the top of the, the VIP section and these are people that were like personally invited by the band, and a few of them either snuck phones in or were allowed to have phones in. And, and I guarantee you, the ones I saw holding phones were all really hot women <laughs> probably, who probably shoved the phones in places where you know no one's going to ask them any questions. That is what happened. So <laughs> it's like that's how the phones and the video and stuff all happened, which really bothered me because I'm like, fuck, man. I, could you imagine having a photo from that night? I mean, it's like, I couldn't, I, 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 at one point, Flash's fucking strings were like flicking and like hitting me in the face off his guitar. Wow. That's how close I was. And That's I was just insane. like, I, could you imagine that photo? And yeah, never happened. I mean, you, you have your memories, so I hope, you know, you don't have a CTE or Alzheimer's anytime soon. But I mean, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, I, um, uh, we were just talking about I was at Axel DC in Madison Square Garden and I was you know 10 feet away and that was amazing but that's nothing wow. in, in, I mean you say wow I mean I said wow as well but that's not Guns N' Roses at the Troubadour having Slash's strings smack you in the face and you know, <laughs> know it, it's right? important to me I mean yeah we live in 2016 and there were many many years without pictures and without cell phones but um, you want to be able to, to take them so I completely uh, get it but um so tell us about, I guess, what you're working on now with Izzy. Um, or, yeah, let's, let's, let's go into there, because I want to, because we, we discussed before, we can get into it if we, if we have time, because uh, you're, sure. you're on the younger side, too. I'm 33, as I mentioned. Ian's 30. And we, you know, the band was broken up, I guess, when we kind of, I mean, at least for us, were conscious of what this band uh, was or is. But um, tell us about what's, what's going on with uh, you and Izzy right now. So yeah, long story short, a few months ago, my editor at the Weekly reached out to me and said, because um, I can get certain members of GNR, or like I, I've been close to getting certain members of GNR to do interviews. He's like, well, can you get Izzy Stradlin? And, he's, and my editor is not a Guns N' Roses fan. Let me just like put that out there. He's not ashamed to admit that. He doesn't really, doesn't really know anything about Guns N' Roses. So to him, it's like, oh, can you just get this guy, Izzy Stradlin, to do an interview? And I was like, dude, it's like, this is going to be a mission, right? So I spent two months, like, researching the living fucking hell out of Izzy Stradlin, to the point where I decided that I had, like, enough material to write an Izzy Stradlin book, mm. um, and my goal was to find Izzy and interview him, so I said that I'm going to do everything I could possibly do to get that interview, um, everything I could possibly do, to the point where I'm willing to, like, get arrested as a stalker, <laughs> um, I don't care, like, I'm going to do everything, so I went to Ojai, um, which is a small town north of Los Angeles, which is where Izzy Stratham lives, which is no mystery. I'm not, like, breaking any news here. Every, all the fans know he lives there. So I went there and literally, like, 
went to his fucking house and left him a note and said, Holy shit. You know, are you, I know you don't do interviews, but yeah, I'd love to talk to you. I'm in Ohio for a couple days. Hit me up or whatever. Obviously, he never got back to me from that note. But I interviewed everybody that <laughs> knew him, and I interviewed like women he slept with in the 80s. I interviewed Barbie Von Grieg, Rocket Queen. I interviewed all the members of Juju Hounds. I interviewed Alan Niven. I interviewed, um, shit, man. I interviewed everybody who I could possibly get, get a hold of that knew. I interviewed his first high school art teacher in Indiana, <laughs> Damn, um, who dude. was also Axel's art teacher. And there's a really fucking cool story about that whole thing that's going to be in a piece. But yeah, I mean, I, that, that, was, that was my goal. I tried to interview him. I never got him. I got people that, that knew him personally that like, play music with him as we speak, like probably right now, to ask him to do the interview. And he said no. He said no to me. He said no to the Wall Street Journal. But I will say, this is kind of, I guess this is kind of breaking news, but I don't know if it's even a big deal. But he is doing an interview with somebody. I can't say who, but he's doing an interview with somebody, and it's going to be out there in a month. So oh, wow. Eddie going to talk about all this shit, and it's going to be in a month. That's I'm what wondering, I'm, man. I'm, and I'm wondering, like, maybe Eddie Trunk. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, uh, there you go. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, do you have any idea about? I mean, obviously, he's to be questioned about the reunion and everything. But do you know anything as far as other topics that may be discovered, or what is? I mean, let's. I guess let's get your perspective on right. the tweet. You know, when it, of course <laughs> was before the interview with uh, Axel and Duff on Brazilian TV and saying, you know. Uh, well, actually, you know, um, Izzy is one way one day and then another way another day. And I felt like Axel was talking yeah. about himself. And then we get, what, Izzy Stradlin's fourth tweet on his first month of Twitter saying that, you know, it's right. all bullshit and it's about uh, equal pay. So I guess what's your what are your thoughts on that? Well, let me, like, kind of give my perspective on Izzy Stradlin. I'm having done all this research. Sure. And, like, just obsessed over him. I First of all, he tweets. Constantly, he just deletes his Twitter, his tweets all the time. He'll tweet, like <laughs> the most random. He'll tweet, "Hey, I'm watching this movie or whatever." He'll tweet about, you know, a random band he's gonna, he wants us to check out or whatever. He does all this, and he'll delete the tweet the next day. So he tweets a lot, and it, nobody. I mean, I don't even know for I don't know for a thousand percent certainty that that this Twitter. I was told it is from people that I trust. But I'm still kind of like, is this this fucking Twitter? Because, you know, how do we know for sure, for sure, for sure? I mean, it's been confirmed by a lot of people. So let's just say it is this Twitter. But um, Axel does, in my opinion, for people I've talked to and people I know him personally that, like, go to all the shows on the tour with them, and I've, you know, I've, I just know stuff he said to people, and I've heard stuff he said to people from, like, really good, you know. Anyway, I can't really get into all that. But anyway, so let's put it this way. He doesn't lie. Axel Rose, when he says something, he definitely believes what he's saying. And whether it's 100% accurate to the other person he's saying it about, he's not making that up. And from any, you know, anybody that knows Izzy or has dealt with him or has worked with him, the Juju Hounds, the Guns N' Roses, to the current shit he's doing now, will say openly and not, you know, it's not even a, a mystery. He doesn't, like, go by a schedule. He doesn't follow orders. He doesn't really work with business people. He doesn't do stuff when he doesn't want to do stuff, you know? He's just his own guy. He's a lone wolf. He lives like a fucking outlaw in the desert of California. Like, he doesn't even, like, you know, he, let's put it this way, like, he could have, the Juju House could have been one of the biggest bands in the country. And you can guess why 
but they went nowhere and they broke up really soon. Within like two years, they had broken up, and that's because Izzy Stradlin doesn't want to be a rock star. Hmm. Izzy Stradlin just wants to be a dude. He just wants to hang out, and like whenever he wants to play a show, he'll play it. Whenever he wants to record, he'll record. And that's what Axel was saying, and I think that's 100% accurate. And that's probably the reason why they didn't want to, they didn't want to give him equal percentage of like the GNR equity, because sure. you know he quit in 91 for the same reasons. He isn't gonna be part of the band full-time ever again. You, I don't think he even wants to be part of the band full-time ever. And you know, that's, that's, he'll never get the equal pay. And I don't think it was. I don't think it was just equal pay. I think it was equal equity in the band. That's that's what I think people are kind of not talking about. It's not just the money. It's you know merchandise, decisions on things, decisions on venues and set lists, and you know future album work, you know videos, promotional stress. Like this is all shit stuff. And slash are part of that decision making process, right? Sure. Izzy wasn't going to be part of that process, and I think he didn't want to deal with that shit. And I think that's why. He'll never be part of the, the band full time. Okay, that, that makes me that makes me wonder because you seem to know honestly more about Izzy than than anyone I've ever heard just from talking to you these few minutes. Um, <laughs> so, is he just living off of Guns N' Roses royalties from Appetite for Destru- uh, Destruction? Because right. you know Izzy Stradlin's albums that he exclusively has on iTunes. I mean, they're not they're not selling you know hundreds of thousands of copies. He's not out there you know, doing anything really in the mainstream is is what he lives off of, Appetite for Destruction royalties, just, you know, from those songs still being sold to commercials and, you know, it wasn't, well, Movies. The Jungle was in what, like a Taco Bell commercial? Yeah. So, I mean, it's still being <laughs> sold out. So is is that his income? As far as I know, yes. Uh, his income is all off. Not that, I mean, you got to remember, there's GNR Lies that sell, sure. sell there's, Live stuff. Your illusion songs. Yeah, all that shit. So he has all those things he's making money off. I don't know, you know, there's always going to be, until Axel Rose talks about it, no one will know for sure. Everyone can, all these blabbermouths, all these people can write about it, and God bless all those people, but nobody really knows the, the, the kind of financial inner workings of that band and who owns what and who gets what for what. You know, it's like, does Axel own the name? Well, we, yeah, he does. I know that for a fact. He changed the name even like legally. He moved like the apostrophe above the end in like 2008 or something. So, I mean, he owns the name of that band. I didn't even know that. It's this thing of like who gets what. So I don't know what percentage of what he's getting. Is he getting money for, you know, merchandise at all? Is he getting things like that? I mean, I'm sh- yeah, that's his only income because the, the, the Juju House record and the solo stuff he does just it sells wildly in Japan. Okay, so in Japan, is he Stradlin's material? And anything he does, does really well. Hmm. And so does anything anybody does in, in, involving GNR. So if you're like Hollywood Rose, like Chris Webber, you know, Cleopatra Records released the Hollywood, Hollywood Rose demos in like 2008 or something in Japan, strictly, right? And it did really well. Like, and it's like, Japan is an obsessed market. So he's making money off the shit he releases, the solo shit, internationally. I don't know if he's making like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but he's making some fucking money. And you know, there's Spotify now, there's iTunes and streaming and YouTube advertising royalties. He's probably yeah, yeah. He's making a lot. He's making a lot of fucking money just sitting, you know, down. And he doesn't need the money. And you got really Eddie Strauss doesn't have the same problems other members of GNR have, right? Axl Rose has this massive property he has to take care of. He has all these other obligations. People he needs to pay in his camp, his managers, Team Brazil, you know. 
Flash has got the divorce or whatever. He's got all this shit he has to pay for. Eddie Stratton is the guy who lives in a fucking modest house in, in Ojai and rides motorcycles and, and shit like that. He doesn't really have... You know, he's he had one divorce or whatever, but he doesn't really have that much to pay for. You know what? I, I envy that, one man. One of us, right? Yeah, yeah I, I totally envy that. Because could you imagine putting out an album in the mid-'80s, you know, and doing a few other things, you know, an EP, whatever, and you get to live off that for the rest of your life? Like, I would take that over living in the rock star house. Like, I think that's pretty cool to be able to live your life doing whatever the hell you want over some stuff oh, yeah. that you did 30 years ago. Like, I, I personally, I've talked about this before, and I don't know, you, you know, the perspective of you guys. Like, I don't have this... Um, Desire that some people have to live in like the giant mansion, the way that the way that Axl Rose does, uh, you know, and and be like constantly working for the rest of my life. Like, I think if I could just you know go out and enjoy my life and you know do some occasional work here and there the way he does, and like put out an album when I want, and you know put out something that that I feel creative and and I enjoy right. doing, and don't have to worry about the money. Like I, that's a that's a really cool lifestyle in my opinion, and. Like, I kind of get it. Like, Izzy's probably like, I don't, you know, I guess the desire isn't there to go back on the road and, you know, just work again. And as much as the fans would love to see it, he probably loves the lifestyle he lives. Well, then, let, uh, jumping off that, and let me ask you, uh, Art, because it seems like the personality of Axel and and Slash and Duff, that dynamic has matured, I guess, for a lack of a right. better word. And if you've spoken to, you know, uh, Izzy's art teacher... Uh, I mean, it it, just show, like, it shows you like where was he when he was younger, and then now that he's older, he's obviously cool enough with Axel to have done shows. He's he's done Velvet Revolver shows. So why right. now at his age does he still need to be this this outlaw that that he, that he can't be mature enough and have a, some sort of business plan? And if he wants to get paid equally. So I, I, that seems to be a lack of maturity. It's like, yeah, you could be this outlaw rock star. That's awesome. But at the end of the day, now you, this this reunion of epic proportions, other than Led sure. Zeppelin, why can't you sign on for X amount of shows? Or, you know, if you were the creative process behind the, uh, the jumping off point of what Guns N' Roses is now, uh, why can't you change your personality? Or is he just stuck in... Izzy's Izzy, and whether he was in high school or 50 years old, it's not going to change. I mean, Axel seems to have changed. Why can't Izzy? So I guess that's my question. I think, um, well, I mean, nobody can answer that except Izzy Stratton, right? But I think my perspective, having just looked into his life and kind of done, like, I guess, a psychological profile, (laughs) I think think it's like he is content being who he is, but you have to realize when GNR started, for all the people who don't know this, and I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast already knows this, but initially it was Izzy Stradlin's band, right? I mean, from, from anybody that knows GNR, that has talked to any of those members and grew up with those guys and watched them develop on the strip, in the very beginning, this was Izzy Stradlin's band. He was the Brian Jones of Guns N' Roses. Um, very quickly, as he got, you know, and this is not a mystery, as he got really addicted to heroin and kind of just lost his way and got increasingly paranoid because of, you know, various things that, like, you know, he'll have to answer to that one day. Um, Axel, the business, the more business-savvy member of the band, and probably the more in control of his habits and just the more kind of rock star, grabby rock star member, 
took over the band. He like took over. He took over the decision making process, and he had to, just like Jagger. Mick Jagger had to do the same thing in the seventies. Like Keith Richards couldn't fucking make any decisions. He was so yeah, or I've talked about it on the podcast for Kiss with Gene Simmons and and Paul Stanley. There you go. Same exact fucking thing. I mean, it's like that's exactly what happened with GNR. But I do think at one point when when Izzy sobered up, he was like, "Okay, I'm sober now. I want back. I want to control this band again." Okay, I want to make equal decisions with Axel on what we do, set list, where we play, the vibe, the, the look and feel we're going for. And then and Axel's like, no, you're not. You're fu- you fucked up. Hmm. This is my dad now, so sorry. And I, I think Izzy personally will never fully, in my personal opinion, I don't think he'll fully ever get over that. And I think now that he's getting older, he's starting to care more about his legacy. I think Izzy travels, this is why I think people don't, I don't think he's going to, you know, talk about this. I don't think anybody's going to really talk about this because he has this image of being such a, like, shadowy figure who's humble and wants to kind of stay away from the limelight. And I do I do agree with that. But I do think Izzy Stroud, to some extent, is slightly in need right now to lay claim to his legacy. And I think he wants to be known as the guy who wrote those songs. He wants people to know he wrote the chords to a lot of those appetite hits. And he did, frankly. I mean, he, I don't think... I think his like contributions are exaggerated by some of those weird, like overly obsessed Izzy Stradlin GNR fans who think he's like the only member of the band that wrote any songs, which is like <laughs> really stupid and wrong. Yeah. But I do think that um, he wants to lay claim to his legacy, and I do think that he's trying to do that now. And I think he's going to do interviews, and he's going to make it clear to everybody that you know I wrote those songs. Why do I not get equal? You know, why am I not getting equal share of the loot? This is my fucking gang. I started this gang. It's you know, I think that's what's happening right now, in my personal opinion. But he doesn't—he can't be a part of this shit because his personality is so jacked up from being on the strip in those years. You know, the drugs, the lifestyle, the shit he saw. He just—I think he's kind of slightly, you know, a reclusive person because of all the shit that he went through. And I don't think that he can handle the road and the lifestyle. But I think that he wants equal equity, and he won't get it. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. So then I was going to follow up with what do you think the resolution is going to be, but you're, you're kind of answered it by saying you don't think it's ever going to happen. Do you think he's ever going to settle, or he's going to be that guy starting to do press and just say, hey, grab these headlines and make of it what you will. Now I'm going to paint Axel once again as the bad guy, because it seems like 2016 is the year of Axel. He changed a lot right. of people's oh. minds, I mean, especially with ACDC. I mean, yeah. being in that in that stadium, nobody was came in wearing "Where's Brian" T-shirts. You know, uh, <laughs> we saw right. we we went uh, to MetLife Stadium, uh, and there were plenty of one of our friends uh, wore a "Where's Izzy" T-shirt, and obviously the "Where's Slash" leading up to that for many years. But uh, he changed a lot of people's minds. So I don't know if I, mean, I can't see Izzy being that guy now to start being that mouthpiece. Because what Steven Adler was for many years, where sure, he was, sure. where he was the guy that said, "Come on, guys, let's get back together. Come on, guys," <laughs> and we don't hear anything from him anymore, which is I, I find interesting. So I want to know your opinion on that. But I, yeah. uh, what what do you think the ultimate? Again, unless you speak to Izzy uh, himself, uh, what do you think the ultimate resolution? If there will be one, you know, will there be just a a show? Will there be a guest appearance at a potential? new album uh nothing this is going to end poorly it, it, it is what it is um i don't know what multiple choice other multiple choice answers i can i can give or speculate about yeah. you know man it's like 
it's the hardest question to answer because, again, if he does what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and there's no logic or rhyme or reason. It's just he does what he wants whenever he wants. So, you know, GNR's going to Japan, right? And then GNR, Japan's a big market for Izzy Stradlin. Um, I know he kind of likes that part of the, the world, so who knows? He might show up in Japan and play a show and drop his solo record on iTunes around the same time and use that as a publicity tool to sell his own album, which he's done before. If you notice, a lot of the times where he comes out and plays with GNR, um, or does Velvet Revolver stuff, or does any solo sort of anything. Anytime he puts himself out there, he does that with material to promote. So Izzy Stradlin's not this like you know this, the image he has is this guy who doesn't care about promotional stuff or money. He doesn't really care. He does. I mean, he, he every time he puts himself out there, it's hooked to something GNR related that he could promote and his own like material, which is great, smart. I think he should do that, but. I think that, yeah, I think he'll eventually do like a show or two, maybe. Maybe like he'll do, you know, GNR, okay, so I don't know if people, I don't know if you guys know this, but, and it's not really a big secret, but I guess it kind of is. After GNR does Japan and Southeast Asia, they're going to do Europe, mm -hmm. from what I'm told, and I think they're going to do, come back to the U.S. and probably do some more like smaller markets, the stuff they never hit. Sure. So... I don't know if they're going to do like smaller venues because I could see Izzy wanting to do something like that. Um, maybe uh, like yeah, there's a, and there's a lot of places they didn't hit, man. While you know, I, I know you're a listener, so you heard that I went to South Dakota for for Dokken, and you know, I got to hang out okay. with my friend Matt Vierkant there, and he was like, "Yeah, would have loved to have seen Guns N' Roses, but they didn't come anywhere near here." So there's, there, you're right. There's a ton of markets they didn't hit. So yeah, they're probably going to hit those markets, and I think Izzy might show up to one of those if he's in town and he's. You know, he's not working on motor... I'm told he just works on, like, motorcycles and cars. <laughs> so cool. Paint, like, he does, like, paintings of racing cars and stuff like that. So if he's not doing any of that, he'll show up. I do think he'll play a couple shows. I, I don't think that's going to be a thing where he won't ever do that because he wants to... He wants to be there for one or two shows just so he can get it off his, like, bucket list and make some... Promote his new record. I don't think he'll ever be part of the band the way Izzy and Splash... I mean, Splash and Delph are. Um, because he won't get what he wants, which is, in my opinion, equal stay and equal um, equity in the band. And I do think Duff and Splash, like, look, it's Axel's rodeo to some extent. I mean, I don't really, like, want to say, it, you know, those guys are, like, hired hands in the band. They're not. They're, they're way more involved than being hired hands. That's, like, insulting to them. But I do think it's Axel's, you know, if, if it's a corporation, he's a CEO, and Izzy's never going to be, like, co-CEO, um, in my opinion. So you might not be happy about that at this point. Whereas if this is, like, 2004 or 2005, I think Izzy Stradlin would have joined in. But I think because all this stuff has happened over the years, all the Internet hype of him being, like, the guy who wrote the hit. You know, the, the, he wrote Sweet Child. You know, he wrote all these songs, the chorus to Welcome to the Jungle and shit. So I think he, it's kind of made him believe that he is as important to this band as anybody else. And he is, to some extent, creatively, but I don't think he is a live act. I don't think, I don't think he's a draw as a live act. I think the only people in GNR who are a big draw, big draw are Slash and Axel. That's what and, Stevie Rochelle had said, that it's, he, he yeah. paralleled it to Poison. You know, people, yeah. they, they know Axel, they know Slash, they know Duff. And they just don't know Izzy. The average person isn't going to know, regardless of how important he was. I mean, the rest of the guys in Poison, uh, they wrote all those songs, but everyone knows who Brett Michaels is. I mean, he built, exactly. his, he built his brand. The rest of those guys out there built their brand, 
is he didn't build his brand. I mean, it, that's just the road he, he chose. I mean, because I wanted a fairy tale ending. Like, oh, they're, they're all the high school buddies. <clears throat> you know, let's, let's, you know, we're all friends. But I guess it's a music business. Right. That's how Stevie Rochelle had, had put it. So uh, I know, obviously, your stock's in Izzy. But what do you think now about uh, Steven Adler? Because you, we will credit you uh, with knowing about, about the back. You know whether Mick Wall, you know whatever his problem is, uh, yeah, but yeah. he's been obviously been super quiet, which has been the antithesis of what he was years prior. So what's going to be sure. his role? Because he seems to be you know cool with Frank. Uh, Frank has embraced him. Whatever it's it's there for whatever he wants. Is Matt Sorm ever going to be involved? What are your what are your takes on the right. uh, the former drummers? Well, Matt- Matt Sorum, again, because this is not a secret, but Matt Sorum was offered like the similar kind of Stephen Adler thing of, hey, yeah, you can play a couple shows. You know, you were part of this band. And, and, and here's my opinion about I Matt I didn't know Sorum, that, okay? actually. I, yeah, I, I didn't Matt either. Matt Sorum was, and I'll just tell you guys my last like quick one on this. So I think Matt Sorum was the one member of GNR, in my perspective, that like never really like fit that band at all. Like I think like he's a great guy and he's a really talented drummer. But if you listen to Use Your Illusion and listen to the stuff that he worked on, he's like a drummer that should have been in, like, Van Halen or hmm. something. He never fit the dirty, like, hard rock kind of, like, element that that band had. So, yeah, he was, yeah. Offered, a, he was offered spots, and he refused because he wasn't getting paid what he thought he should have gotten paid is what I'm told. Now, I, Matt Sorum won't interview, won't talk to me because I've said stuff about him before that, like, the articles that were not very complimentary of him, and I and I love. I think he's a very, very fucking talented. Oh, of course. I just don't think he. he I just don't think he was meant to be a GNR. That's my personal opinion. You know what? I but, was going to uh, say. Sorry, finish your, your thought there. No, yeah, I just don't think he was. You know, and I think Stephen Adler think is yeah. Adler is back is too injured to be a full time member of the band. I don't think he would have ever been a full time member of the band even if he was fully healthy because Frank is an Axel thing guy, just the same way Richard Fortas is. Um, so that will never change, and I don't think Adler is going to be. I don't personally think he'll be involved in like songwriting. I don't think he really ever was. Um, I love Adler. I think Adler is one of the best parts of Appetite. I think he's very yeah. underrated as a drummer. Oh. I think he's phenomenal For in sure. Rocket Queen and shit. I think he's one of the greatest fucking. I love that guy. I mean, I think he is such a badass. Uh, and the reason he's not talking is the same reason Slash and Dub and nobody else are really really talking is because that's an agreement that I think there was made and I don't know obviously I'll never know this until I you know I talk to somebody but I think there's an agreement made that hey if you want to be part of this in any capacity you can't go out there and say stupid shit in the press <laughs> and it's just, it's very like you know it's not it's, I, I think you guys know that I think everybody knows that and that's why I don't think he's talking about it because he comes out here and says things that are kind of wacky and off the cuff it's going to cost everybody a lot of you know money and shit. So I think he's being a businessman for the first time in his life, and I think it's awesome because his dream came true, right? So he got to play with him in Cleveland yeah. or wherever it was, and that was beautiful, man. And it's like I almost cried when I heard that. And his mom was like emotional when it happened. The Facebook post like, he put out. The best stories. Oh yeah, I think it was Cincinnati, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but there the, you go. There you the, go. The, the Facebook post that she put out the next day. Yeah. I mean, you felt that. That's somebody who watched her son almost kill himself. 
you know, with through yeah. drugs and everything, and just this is something that he wanted, and how far he's come. I mean, we as a nation, we watched him do freaking crack <laughs> as a on cele- oh, yeah, and celebrity true. rehab. I meant like, I, you know, <laughs> I phrased it awkwardly, but yeah. you know, on celebrity rehab with Dr. Drew, and, uh, watch him do crack on TV. Yeah, and when I've met him, man, the <laughs> nicest guy. I, I have to jump in here though yeah. before it gets forgotten because I, yeah. I I smiled when you said that. Matt Storm didn't really fit in the band, and I remembered this. I don't know if you ever heard it. Uh, Jamie Joster from Hatebreed does a great podcast, and he had Steven Adler on an episode, and they got into a whole discussion about how you know with current music, a lot of bands aren't using drummers in the studio; they're they're electronically putting drums in there, and they were saying how how. You know, it's it sounds great now. Like a lot of the times, you don't even know if it's a real drummer in there or not. Um, a lot of bands I listen to, like Fear Factory, like they're very open that they're not using a real drummer in the studio on a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, and actually, Steven Adler made the remark to Jamie Josta. He was like, "Yeah, you don't know if it's a machine or if it's Matt Sorum." And he's, he didn't say it, like, in a disrespectful way, but he was like, honestly, that guy plays like a machine. He's like, I might get stuff wrong here and there, but he's like, I have a distinct sound. And he was talking about it, and it is true. And, I, you know, I didn't completely notice it until he said it. If you listen to Matt Sorum, he does kind of sound like a machine. It doesn't have the soul that Adler does. And I agree, amazing drummer. So no disrespect meant when I say that. No, amazing drummer, phenomenally talented, great guy from all I hear, and really like you know, he said some really, he said some really stupid things in the press over the years, and I think that kind of hurt his, you know, opportunity to be like fully involved in this whole thing. But I do think that you know, Adler on Appetite is one of the most underrated things because every single song on that record, you can feel how excited he is and how how like how just he brought this like punk rock, and he's the least punk rock member of that band. But he brought this punk rock element to GNR because, you know, Duff is the punk, right? And so sure. is he just that. But I think Adler brought that musically more than those guys because those guys are so together musically on those records. But Adler wasn't. And I think he brought this reckless element that the hair, quote unquote hair metal or glam metal scene never really had um, in a drummer or a musician. And he was so fucking cool in that way. And I think, you know, he's really underrated. And I hate everybody that just makes fun of him and talks about how he's just like, you know, he was, he was the only, he's the most dispensable member of the band and shit. I don't think he is at all. I think he's such an important element for me. I don't know. That's just my two cents on him. No, I'm going to take your two cents and uh, put it in my pocket. And that was the dumbest thing I probably <laughs> ever said. Uh, but so basically with everything that you, you have said throughout this conversation is that you think in some capacity we will see, whether it's one show, wherever it is, all five original members, do you believe that? Oh man, all five original members together at the same time. Right. I don't think I don't think that's ever gonna happen. Like if it's just them on the stage with like without Richard Fortis on the stage. I think Richard Fortis will always be on the stage with GNR, um, as long as he's a member of that crew. If he's not like if he doesn't quit or if he doesn't take time off or whatever, I think he'll always be there on that stage. Even if Izzy's on the stage, I think Richard Fortis will be there as well. He's been there for like what? He's been on the band for like 15 years or something? He's like such a, an integral part of the Axel Rose era of DNR, and he'll never be put, cast aside. Because um, in Axel's mind, and, and I agree with him on this, in Axel's mind, Richard Fortas is as much a member or part of Guns N' Roses as anybody has ever been. So for him, 
he will never like I don't think he'll disrespect him in that way. Um, do you think yeah, it would be disrespect though? Do you think it would be disrespect mm-hmm. though? Whether because it's you know you'll have Adler. He did those couple shows. So I'm, we're assuming he'll do more. You know, Izzy sure. is a, obviously a question mark, but you believe that he may. You know, you're not going to dismiss the fact that he may do a show. So you think no, that you know? Yeah. They'll, but they'll do both do random shows, but they won't do it together. Now, whether if they did it together and Fortis is still on the stage at the same time, but just to say, or or Fortis, uh, I mean, obviously growing up as a fan of the band, saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm just going to sit a song out." Let the, let the fans, yeah, have the their same, like the same thing you know, they do with that. Yeah, yeah, not a disrespect, but, but Fortis himself. I mean, I don't know his personality. I know a uh, uh, an ex girlfriend of his saying that he he really is uh, tight lipped about everything, but he just might, you know what? Give the fans what they want for like a song, you know, all five. Just just take the stage. I mean, or is this just my fairy tale mind uh, coming to no. the forefront again? That's a great point. Actually, you know what? It might happen in that way. Like Richard Forrest might be like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to take over this moment for you guys. I don't know. I don't. I personally don't think you're gonna get all those guys in the in the same room at the same time to make it all happen regarding schedules, you know, contractual shit, um, set lists, discuss. I mean, there's so much that goes into this shit. It's not just. Let's play a show. There's so many egos and decisions that have to be made, and you know, like how do you how do you put it all together? I mean, there's a reason why. Obviously, there's a reason why Adler played the shows he played, or you know, when these guests, you know, it's just it's random for a reason because it's so hard to get the shit together, right? And you also have to realize, like, it's like management, and this is something that I most people don't talk about. But the managers are all, you know, there's Duff's manager, there's Slash's manager, there's Adler's manager. They're not all the same managers, right? And there's mm-hmm. like all these people have to negotiate all this weird shit on, you know, who's listed on what and blah blah blah. Who's making money percentages on each night? It's too much. I think it's going to be too hard. But that being said, it's possible. You know, it's possible. And if it happens, I hope it's in LA so I can fucking see it. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I just, I don't know if it's going to happen. We'll you know? fly. I don't think it's. I think it's. I don't think it's that. That likely. You're telling me there's a chance. That's all I need to know. <laughs> I, I would love to see it, man. I, I think it could happen, um, you know, the same way oh, it did no. with Adler, where it's just come out for a few songs. Um, the, the last thing I'm wondering before we let you go, because we've gone long here, and I feel like we got to do a part two. It's one of those where we've barely scratched the surface. Um, oh, for but sure. what is going to come of this article? Because it really does sound, as you said before, that you almost have a biography here. Uh, and that right. I would I would gladly read. I mean, if you put this out as a full book, I will gladly pick that up because <laughs> there's so little known about the guy. And um, for Kiss fans out there, he's almost like the Vinnie Vincent of Guns N' Roses where it's like there's just so little known about this guy. And that's why there's forums out there dedicated to, to Vinnie Vincent where it's just, where is he? What's he up to now? So, uh, it, I mean, I feel like this would be way too much that you have, way too much material for a small article in LA Weekly. So... What's sure. going to become of it? I mean, look, I'm working. I'm probably it hasn't been inked, so I don't want to say for sure, for sure. But I am working on a book on Guns N' Roses. It's like a history of the re- reunion tour, so that's happening. This is a lot of stuff, and I'm going to save for that. Um, there's stuff I can like, you know, talk about now. I mean, the Izzy story. I started off with trying to find him, so I went to Ohio, right? So I went to the recording studio. He recorded at Brother and Studios. Um, I talked to the guys there. I saw like some of his rough cuts. Um, I talked to everybody he's, he's worked with over the years in the Juju House. Um, I literally like, you know, I did this, I, I did a complete like background check on Izzy. Like everything <laughs> you'll ever 
know about the guy I did just to put it together. I talked to old punk rock guys and Jan Liz. Um, you know, and it's like I, I got his police report from the arrest in Phoenix when he got arrested for pissing on the the U.S. airplane in 89. Oh, shit, I didn't know about <laughs> so, that. Oh, yeah, you got arrested in 89 for peeing on a, a, a flight from L.A., I mean, from Indiana to L.A., and he peed on the flight, and he caused a complete fucking scene, <laughs> and he, like, took a swing at, like, a stewardess or flight attendant, whatever you want to call him, and the, the flight the flight was um, landed in Phoenix, and he was arrested, um, and that was really the moment where he, you know, he said this in an, in an interview before, that was the moment where he decided he's never going to do drugs or drink and shit ever again and that's when he sobered up he was 27 years old he sobered up at 20 it's funny because he sobered up at 27 when all these other rock stars died at 27 which is kind of a cool thing for me I'm like well that's you know if he hadn't done that he probably would have died the 27 club yeah go ahead the 27 club that'd be so funny yeah I think if he wasn't arrested he probably would have died honestly or would have been in a lot of a lot of trouble Thankfully, he uh, he did not. Um, I want to get uh, all your information so we put it out there, but I just want to say you have the most handsome pair of Guns N' Roses socks. <laughs> I saw those. <laughs> <laughs> you tweeted that during the uh, the podcast show that you bought some. I mean, are they are they really uh, Guns N' Roses or you bought them? They look like the, the wallpaper in my grandmother's house. Yeah, no, they're not Guns N' Roses socks. They're knockoffs. They're just socks that have roses on them. And they're just like my, in my mind, they're Guns N' Roses socks. So <laughs> that's all that matters. I'm just crazy like that. I like them though. They kind of, you know, they're very anyway. handsome. I like them too. Thank you. <laughs> um. So yeah, for all the listeners, please check out Art's stuff. It's excellent. I mean, as you can tell from this interview, I'm sure people are going to want to read all the articles that you mentioned. So it's arttavana.com, art t a v a n a dot com, and then on there you have a link to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. So um, yeah. Any, anything else before we let you go, man? We're definitely going to do a part two. I mean, I, I want to hear. A lot more from this, and probably some of the stories of borderline stalking Izzy Stratton. Leaving a note like your single white female <laughs> on his house. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, well, I'll send you guys a story. You guys can look at it and let me know if you want to talk more about it. But yeah, man, I, I've been doing, I've been digging into this shit for the last couple of years. So there's a lot of cool stories, and if you guys ever want to chat, let's do it. I love talking about GNR. So whenever you guys want, bring me on. Thank you, dude. And if you're 100%. ever in New York, you know we'd love to have you in the studio too. Oh, hell yeah. No, I'm going to be in New York, actually, before the end of the year. So I'll hit you guys up then. Let's do it, man. Absolutely. 100% art. Uh, Can't thank you enough for reaching out. All the nice uh, words you said about our silly little podcast. And fuck your friends who make fun of you for uh, making fun of GNR. Fuck them. And their their (laughs) stupid indie haircuts and their sweaters. Whatever. (laughs) I thought you were going to say fuck them and their stupid asses from Chain Silent Bob. Oh, that probably would have been better. But, uh, Art, thanks so much. Fuck the hipsters. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hipsters. We'll talk soon, buddy. Okay, guys. I will say, uh, personally, I think that is the best interview we've had yet. I I mean, he had information in there that I've never heard. And, you know, actually, uh, John Miller some of the stuff he said, you know, with the film that he's working on, you could say borderline stalker. Yeah. I think Art went above and beyond. I mean, leaving a note in That's so weird. Like, wow. I love it. I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't even think I'd do that. And, uh, you know, working at Sirius XM, where I get to meet all these cool people, I kind of stay cognizant of, like, 
is the vibrate for me to take a picture? Same, you know, like same. And I'll I'll even say like I was at Sirius yesterday, and Joe Budden is one of the most like influential artists in my life. Like I, he's written stuff that just speaks to me. It's got me through hard times. And I saw him in the lobby. Just he was like passed out on the couch, couch practically, <laughs> and he looked like he was in another world. And I went up to him and I was like, "Your songs have gotten me through some very hard times," and he was like asleep. And and I said I even said to him I was like what show are you going on to do and uh, he was like uh, I don't know man like, <laughs> that, that was his response so I felt the vibe Asleep or super that high. it wasn't yeah I felt the vibe that it wouldn't even be right to ask him for a picture and I wasn't one of those people who was like oh I'm disappointed or anything like he's a normal guy and he came off as a normal guy yeah and in all honesty he writes very emotional music if you know Joe Budden like people have called it like emo rap. Hmm. Uh, that's it's. I've never heard that phrase. Yeah, but if you listen to his stuff, you'll kind of see why. Um, not, no, and I get it. it not say- pump it up, or you know the, the like hits he had. You know his his like introspective stuff. Um, so I could tell he's just a regular guy. Like uh, he's he probably gets it all the time. And, you know, it's probably tired to him at this point. You know, dude, I, and I get I, it. I felt fine meeting him, though. So, like. My my point being, like, to bring it back to what he was saying, like, I, I would never feel comfortable going up to someone's house and leaving a note like that. And the reason I related to Vinny, Vinny Vincent, if you're a Kiss fan, is he gets a lot of the same stuff. Like, I, I've been on the Vinny Vincent forums. Like, there's fans who have had a Vinny Vincent forum that they've created. And when they heard that Vinny was selling his house in Connecticut, I saw that fans went to the house and took pictures of his belongings and like old records outside the house, and it's like yeah, this is a little bit much. No, that's 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 much. And I will say two things to that because I I do get your perspective because uh, working at other than WBAB, working at at iHeart, you know, I got to meet uh, Sully Erna, but I didn't work with him. I had to. Oh, I know he's coming in. Let me go through the proper channels to see if I can ask for a picture. And it was like, yeah, just come up. And I felt like I, I creeped him out a bit. I mean, I don't want to – I felt like, hey, I'm not a psycho or anything, but can I have a picture? And, I mean, he gets that all the time, but somebody like Weird Al, who I've mentioned before, couldn't have been nicer. Did Sully seem like a dick? Um, No. He just seemed like he's focused. He has a lot of things going on. I mean, here's, it I've heard things, but I, 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 my interaction was so brief. To say anything of that nature would be complete speculation yeah, yeah. and wrong. See, the, the, I can't really forgive him for the fact that when I last saw Godsmack at Mohegan's Sun, they ended the show early, like through the mic, no encore. Uh, and I mean, then, look at Axel. I mean, come on. Yeah, and then a few nights later, they did the you know Pennsylvania. I think they didn't even play because they didn't like the stage or something like. And here, here's the thing. There's that whole feud between him and Nikki Six, yes. and him saying like Nikki Six is a diva, blah blah, blah. and and Nikki being like this guy's just an asshole. Yeah, and I I as a fan kind of take Nikki Six's side, even though he's said some crazy shit, just because of the fact that I've met Nikki Six twice, and he could not have been a nicer guy. And I've heard people say that he's a dick. Like my, my friend Nick said, he refused to take a picture with him. Um, Nick- you might know him, Nick Farrell, but. 
and it was on the same day that I took a picture with him, mm-hmm. and he, he couldn't have been cool. Like, I, you know, I'm forever in debt to the guy because when I saw Brides of Destruction and I got kicked out, as I've told you before. Yeah, you said I believe you said it on the show. Yeah, I, I got kicked out for underage drinking with Jay, who you met at Guns N' Roses. He got me back in, and, like, he gave me a pass and said, go have fun. So, like, all this Nikki Six is a dick stuff, I, I can't get on board because my two interactions, he, he could not have been a cooler guy and, like— that was the fir- one of the first rock stars I ever met, and not many rock stars of Nikki Six's magnitude would do that for their fans. He was one of my first uh, radio interviews ever. He was a super nice guy. Uh, so, but I get it. Uh, but I guess we all, which we've dissected before with all the, the members of GNR, is that these are people. Yeah, you know, they're not robots. They're not superheroes, even though we build them up to that. But I will say, in Art's defense. And this is why uh, my, I was a broadcast journalism major at uh, at Hofstra, where we had that uh, that infamous uh, first presidential debate this year. Um, For the past three years, pretty crazy. Yeah, 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 but this was the first one where it was like Monday Night Raw. Uh, that I strayed away from being a reporter and a journalist to the lengths that he has to go to get a story. And that's what you have to do. I'm awkward enough... But I get to a point where I just I don't want to bother people, not because I care. But I mean, sometimes I care about their feelings. Sometimes I'm just too lazy. Like, I don't want to research it like this. Like, is it so? But he has to get that story. He, you heard what his editor said. His editor doesn't know. You know, is he from? Is he from Dizzy? <laughs> he doesn't know what. So, but he has to get that story. So, what does he have to do to get it? And that's what makes a good journalist. That's what makes a good reporter. I mean, how many movies have you have we seen? Where you know you see these reporters break into people's houses and do the wrong thing to get the story. So I mean I get why he did it, not other than just being a crazy fan of the Guns N' Roses and Izzy, which he is, but he did it for his job and he did it in a very unique way. And that's sometimes what you have to do. So I will uh, defend Art in that uh, respect. And I want to see. Um, yeah, he's a great reporter. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. He didn't just do it as as a stalker fan. Like he's trying to get a great. I, story I love out it though. It. I, it's yeah. creative. I mean, he should have baked him like a cake and left it there or something. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe or have like a skywriting go above his house. I'm just still spitballing here. Hey, you got to get him to talk. I mean, somebody got him to talk. We're gonna find out who. Whether it's yeah. I heard you say Eddie Trunk. We don't know if it's gonna be a print in Rolling Stone. We don't know if it's. I swear to God, if it's on another fucking podcast, we're gonna. We're going to have a word. And you know what I was wondering as I was talking to him is that there's probably maybe you I don't know if there are any other podcasts like at the moment talking about Izzy Stradlin. Like, I wonder if he's the type of guy who would check out, you know, look up his name, see what's going on with him and maybe listen to this podcast. Well, we've tweeted at him. I mean, I hope so. I mean, we've tweeted at him. Uh, I mean, but I wonder if he'll hear like, "Oh, Art Tavana, this guy who I, whose name I've heard is on here." I got to hear what they're saying about me. Like, if Izzy's listening right now, oh, we got to get you on, man. Like, well, we're huge fans. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're talking to a microphone that's not. We I haven't know. Even put I'm, just, this out I'm, yet. I'm imagining if he's possibly listening. Well, that's the beauty of it, and that's how Art we got on the show. He we random he randomly heard it. Uh, yeah. The, Somebody who broke these Guns N' Roses stories heard us in L.A., who writes for L.A. Weekly, heard us. So, I mean, whoever listens to this, we want, whether you're a reporter or just a fan, I mean, whether you are the, the, the original math teacher instead of the art teacher for Izzy and Axel back in the day, always, p- please reach out to us. We want that. Um, but we also want, and I just saw that he liked 
uh, before we depart, uh, a tweet of ours, because you never know who's going to talk about what. It's very funny, because I tweeted out a picture that I was listening to uh, One in a Million. And, of course, that song will never, ever uh, be on regular radio for its content. Saying the N-word and the uh, the F-word, the gay slur. Um, and, of course, it would never be played live for the same reason. So Eric Andre, who you... It's funny because we were talking about him a few weeks ago and now also talking about the, the debates where he went to a Trump rally. Yeah. and He did a Hillary rally, too. Okay. But the Trump rally- well, he, he went to the- No, he went to the RNC and the DNC. That's okay. Yeah. And the the RNC one, well, they mistook him for somebody from The Daily Show. Yeah. yeah. But he did a brilliant job. Got on stage with I mean, Alex Jones. Oh, who's a fucking psychopath. Uh, but the, I give him all the credit in the world because I'm like, how- I don't. By the way, I don't think Alex Jones is a psychopath. I think he's a good actor. He thinks Obama's a demon. Yeah, whatever, but that's, I, whatever. that's I the thing. I I think a lot of it is an act. I, I really no, do. I don't. I think whatever. That's, that's, we'll save this for another I, Well, podcast. I'll make one comment on that, though. Sure. Joe Rogan, who seems like a very normal guy, is friends with Alex Jones. And people, like liberals, have come on Rogan's show and been like, how could you be friends with this guy? And Rogan has said, he's a very different guy off the air. And that makes me think, like, a lot of this is, I mean, he gets a lot of attention. He makes millions of dollars. You know, the the same way that he has people going out in the press, uh, you know, interrupting shows, going, Bill Clinton's a rapist. Like, yeah, yeah. it gets him a lot of money and press. So uh, what, I, I wouldn't be his, shocked if it's if a lot of it's Maybe next, it is. But. Maybe that's his version of Baba Booey, Howard Stern's penis. <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, I think he's a fucking psychopath. Okay. Uh, but then again, Joe Rogan's his friend. Whatever. That's a whole other podcast show. Yeah. Uh, but Eric, so I give Eric Andre the respect for going to the RNC and and, and doing that because all these Trump supporters look like they were about to fucking kill him. Uh, but he has this really weird show in Adult Swim with uh, Hannibal Burris, and I saw this recent episode with Hannibal Burris uh, roundhouse kicked Flavor Flav in the face. Whether that was real or not, I have no idea. Uh, but so randomly, it wasn't even on the show. It was kind of like maybe it was part of the show, like an excerpt of it, or Eric Andre is going off on these random topics. And he, I think it was just an interview. Okay, because but they had like these uh, graphic segues. Yeah, and one was about Axl Rose. It was like nothing. It wasn't all music related. Just different topics, random topics. Axl Rose is overrated. I fucking hate Guns N' Roses. I think they're a bunch of fucking racist bigots. Listen to that fucking song. I almost said Birth of a Nation. It's called One in a Million, but it might as well be Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Uh, I'd rather put break open an old thermometer and pour mercury in my ears than have that shit go into my brain. And so I, I, we, we have that up on our, our Twitter and our Facebook right now, but I want to see how powerful the uh, Guns N' Roses community is. I want this to hopefully go viral because I want the Guns N' Roses, a kind of like the, the pests for Opie and Anthony, to attack Eric Andre, not physically, but on like Twitter. Uh, you know, because I want Eric to come on the show, because I like one in the million. That's not necessarily for the content. Although, if you read Axel's explanation from years ago, I kind of compartmentalize where he's had these bad experiences. He's obviously not racist because he has black members in his bands. He's banned. He's not homophobic because Elton John and Freddie Mercury are his idols. He just wrote a song that may or may not have been in poor taste. Would never come out in 2016. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but. I would love to get Eric Andre in the show. Let's force him to get on the show. So you GNR gunners on the internet, go attack him and send him. I don't know. I don't uh, even want to, you know, because I his, want his opinion is his. Uh, it's, I it's don't mind his mind. Like, I, because I watched it and I didn't have as passionate of a reaction as you. I was just like, whatever. I mean, I hear people all the time say that they, they don't like Guns N' Roses. It's not their thing. 
Uh, oh, I, I can understand you're, you're offended by that particular song. I, oh, no, I no. Blacked, like, my oh, yeah. friend uh, Julius Mead, who goes by Psycho Jesus, like, he's, he hates the song okay. for that reason. Uh I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of like there's there's videos out there of of a lot of like I'm just thinking the members of Motley Crue, you know, talking about a security guard who was black and it's just shit in the past. And it is what it is. Oh, man. I'm not offended. I'm yeah. just I want him because he seems like a really smart guy, even though his comedy's really out there. It's hilarious. Uh, and a lot yeah. of it's obviously very calculated, even though it looks like a shit show. It, it's very Tom Green-esque. It is. Yeah. Uh, but I want. I would love to have a real discussion with him that is he able to go, uh, compartmentalize and really think like, you don't like Guns N' Roses just because of that song? Is that a real sweeping statement? This one song years ago where Axel explained it, Slash wasn't happy with it. And that was a point of contention between them for a while. So I would love to have him a discussion on that song, you know, a, a healthy discussion, not just, you know, fuck you, fuck you. I don't want that. I don't want that. I want a healthy discussion with Eric Andre. So somehow uh, I want to make that happen. The end. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Anything else, my dear Ian, before uh, we <laughs> depart on that note? Uh, of course, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, you know, I... I I've said it a lot, man. I I work on another podcast that's you know we've been in the top fifty on iTunes. Like I want to want this podcast to blow up in that way. Uh, you know, tomorrow I'm doing an interview with Dana Perino that'll be up at the same you know around the same time as this. Dana which Plato? is huge. You don't know? Come on, you know Dana Perino, I'm sure. Well, Former Dana... White House press secretary. Oh, I'm not very political. <laughs> All right, well, she's, she's on Fox News. She's big. She and she's great. Very nice woman. Um, so. We're getting extremely high-profile guests on SoftRep, and, like, I would love if that audience checks out this show and, you know, vice versa. But if you guys keep writing reviews for Appetite for Distortion on iTunes, like, we we can start to move up those rankings, which we're not even acknowledged in yet. (laughs) But, like, there's a lot of music podcasts that I will humbly say we are better than than, that. Humbly. Yeah. I I will say this. I want to get up there, man. Like, I want this to become something bigger, as as Brando and I have talked about behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, the only way to do that is through you guys, you know, spreading the word. Visiting Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. Following us on Twitter at The AFD Show, which Brando mainly runs. Um, But leaving reviews on iTunes, you know, iHeart, all that stuff. But reviews on iTunes are critical. If you like the show, leave a review on there. And uh, we're going to get up those rankings and more people will hear about the show. There's going to be Guns N' Roses fans scrolling through that podcast app. And they're like, holy shit, there's a Guns N' Roses show. Like, we need to get those people on board. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're on iHeartRadio. We we love... All the feedback that we're getting on Facebook, Twitter, my GNR forum. So if um, we we will help you if you just take a moment out of your day and just leave a review on iTunes. You know that's it. If you're if you're taking you know moments, several spending time with us, which we can't even express how much we appreciate. Just that extra moment to leave a review on iTunes would mean the world to us. So uh, thank you again for joining us on another episode episode of uh, Appetite for Distortion. When will we be back? Uh, who knows? As Axel Rose says, said to uh, Kurt Loder about Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto, dissecting all things Guns and Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show.
the lame-ass security, I'm going home.